Welcome to the 19th Spool.ie podcast with me, Nigel, and him, Porik. Hello. So today we're pretending that that football thing hasn't taken over our lives and we talk about some new releases like How to Train Your Dragon 2, Mrs. Brown's Boys, The Movie, and Cold in July, as well as some of June's other big screen highlights. As always, then, we'll peek ahead to next month and also look at the films that are making their way to the Galway Film Festival in a couple of weeks' time. Let's kick off with clip from Mrs. Brown's voice. A kind of a clip. Yeah. Hello, this is Agnes Brown, just warning you that the movie, Mrs. Brown's Boys, the movie, is in the cinemas in June, so we'll see you then. Here's a clip from the action sequence. No, it's not. No, we don't have that. What we have is, we have a comedy clip. Dermot is so funny. Down by the river. <laughs> you see, we don't, we don't have that either. What the fuck do we have? Whatever. You'll see us all in June. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there we had Brent Locarl, who plays um, Mrs. Brown, and which is a bit of a TV phenomenon. It's massive in Australia, Canada, Ireland, England, everywhere. So uh, naturally, it's been turned into a movie. And one of the things she he said when he made the movie was he didn't want to do that classic thing whereby we saw with the in-betweeners and they're seemingly doing it again is where the tv show goes on holidays so mrs brown's boys is set in dublin all around dublin murr street uh liberties liberties dublin seven and dublin eight yeah tourist board we're all the cool people live and it's kind of she's got her stall on moore street and there's like this horrible corporation oligarchy who wants to tear it all down and put up some kind of building so, Shopping centre, I think. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't that an actual plan to, like, knock through yeah, I was really Henry Street or something and join it up with... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of... He wants to get rid of her stall and she has to come up with the receipt to say that she actually owns it and hasn't any outstanding tax on it. And it turns into this really kind of the working class person against the big corporations. Yeah. It's a it's a bit of a what we call a caper. Like it's probably the daftest film that's gonna. Yeah. yeah, and like following on from the TV show, it includes, which is quite funny, all the, the jokes. Like if you've seen the TV show, it's one of the few have shows you, that uh, leaves ha- mistakes in. Yeah, have you watched much of the TV show? There's a question. I'd say I've seen about three episodes from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably be about the same, maybe two. Like I scan through it a fair bit, and you kind of see clips and. Yeah. Like, it is weird how people are incredibly sort of snobby and mean about the whole thing, and yet it's a really It fills univer- that gap. Like, TV shows like this were very big in the 70s on BBC, and I was saying to a friend, if you watch, you know, Extras, yeah. and the season where Ricky Gervais is turning his show into a thing, like, with a catchphrase... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. effectively, is what Mrs. Brown's Boys is. Yeah. So it, it kind of incorporates all that, but people love it. It's massive, and the t- the film is it's fine. It follows on from that. It's got a great heart. There's a lot of stories about like family, and it takes a bit of a dark turn. Dark might be too strong, but a serious tone, and you're like, all right, God, this is kind of serious, and you know. Yeah, um, I think it did reveal to me that and all his PR stuff. Okay, Brendan Carroll hasn't done a huge amount of PR. Like he didn't do traditional press screenings where you invite all the critics to come and see your film a week or two before it comes out. Um, he skipped all that stuff. He's done very little uh, or very few normal kind of interviews. Like you'll see him do one or two, and he's presenting or he had presented the Marion Finucane show over the weekend. All these subtle kind of things. Like he and he did a few of the traditional junket type interviews where he 
you know, you're not really allowed to ask about anything. Um, because I think he knows that this isn't a film that the he's media... He's quite defensive about it as he's well. He's very defensive. Like, it's not a film for the media, but, like, I actually think he knows exactly his market. Like, he's so clever. He's yeah. an incredibly intelligent man, and we don't give him nearly enough credit. Like, he's found a dumb, kind of a pretty dumbed-down universal comedy that the characters that kind of work and yeah that's what he's running with so um but it's great my favorite thing about it so we both agreed where well i was going to give it about a three star we saw this ye- uh yesterday morning yeah we, we we figured we'd go together to it and just see what happened um and yeah i'd be in the kind of three star camp yeah same it is it's like it, it's, it has decent amount of laughs yeah there's borderline racist stuff in it where you're like oh that's incredibly distasteful yeah, yeah. There's no, like, it's all a very, like, it talks about, there's one scene in a court where, like, they try to promote it as this, like, Moore Street as being this universal place where people can go, um, yeah, and from anywhere in the world, and, and I'm like, remember, no, all those people are mad racists. Yeah, like you remember that there's that taxi rank in O'Connell Street, which yeah. is white only. Yeah, so I think it's a little bit misguided, and then I don't think, I don't think Brendan O'Carroll lives here anymore, right, or? Oh, I don't know, yeah. So you're not sure how close to the ground it actually is in terms of modern Dublin, but uh, visually it's lovely. Uh, you yeah, live great in du- shots of Dublin. Yeah, you live in Dublin 8, I live in Dublin 7. It's pretty much based entirely in the areas around here. And um, so th- as a document of what the place looks like right now. There's um, a great wee dance routine at the start. Remember that when all the women are coming out? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's hard is in its right place. Like, And this is a film that for people who are into this, they're going to go like absolutely crazy. I think we'll know by the time you're probably listening to this how it did at the box office. But I'm pretty sure this is probably going to have the biggest ever Irish opening for a film. And if not, uh, like probably... It'll probably it? be the biggest film of the year, I'd say Irish-wise. It has to be Calvary. It'll, yeah, so stuff like Calvary, The Guard, In the Name of the Father, these kind of films, will, people will be looking really closely at the numbers for it and to see how it does internationally and everything. Um, yeah. So if you're a fan of the TV show, you'll like this. Yeah. And if not, yeah, and it's almost, it felt funny us even going to see it. Like, this isn't a film for, no, it's like, not really average Joe it. Soaps. Like, and yet, we went to it at, uh, like, 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Like, pr- a very full crowd at that stage. So, yeah. I'd say it's going to do very well. Anyway, we'll leave that there and we'll move on to another daft children's film, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Oh, he's beautiful. Oh, 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 oh. oh I've never seen a Night Fury this close. He might very well be the last of his kind. And look, he's your age. Wow. No wonder you get along so well. (laughs) Unattractable teeth. Incredible. How did you manage? I found him in the woods. He was shot down and wounded. Mm. And what of this? Did Drago or his trappers do this too? Oh, yeah. Well, crazy thing is, I'm actually the one who shot him down. Hey, it's it's okay though. He got me back, right, bud? Uh, so that was Jay Barochelle as Hiccup, introducing himself and his dragon Toothless to the mysterious dragon rider Valka, who is voiced by Kate Blanchett, who. Um, poor consistent for me it's in the trailer that it's okay to say is uh, Hiccup's mother yeah. um, who wasn't in the first film so Kate Blanchett is new to the cast um, joins uh, as I say Jay Ger- uh, Rochelle Gerard Butler Craig Ferguson America Ferrara she was uh, Ugly Betty just for yourself Jonah Hill Christopher Mintz Plaza Kristen Wiig uh, Digimon Hansu 
and Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones. So it's a big, 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 big voice cast. And um, yeah, like it's funny that they the the film starts with Hiccup and Toothless out, and they they're out for a bit of a spin, and they come across this kind of mysterious ice cave thing, and there's tons of new dragons in it, and it's like well, this is a bit weird. And then um, meets his mother, and then they all have to unite to fight off these evil kind of. Set. So like 22 Jump Street earlier kind of in the month had made the joke about sequels where like it's loads more action, loads more stuff. Exactly. And when you watch the trailer for this, it was like, oh, instead of there being like one or two dragons, there's oh, hundreds. Tons of dragons. So um, yeah, it looks lovely. Um, Roger Deakins, I think he just gets a retainer from DreamWorks. His job title here is a visual consultant. Roger Deakins, of course, is a famous uh, cinematographer, works with the Coen brothers and Sam Mendes and stuff. And one of the best people at doing his job. But um, I can't really work out what he would do for animations. But uh, he um, that's what he's done. He worked on The Crudes and the first uh, How to Train Your Dragons. So, um, the Crudes? The Crudes, is it? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. You have young nephews and nieces. so It's good, actually. It's very fast film. Yeah, is it? I think it's DreamWorks as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I thought the animation in these DreamWorks films is all a little kind of cutesy and a bit. Yeah, it's very soft around the edges, kind of. Yeah, and yeah. the weird, nice, rounded faces. Like, this is very much, there's not much in there. Like, it's perfectly enjoyable for adults, but there's nothing, mm. doesn't have any kind of double entendres or anything too clever uh, with its humour. Um, so, the first one kind of focused on the kid and the father and the kid being a weakling and not standing up to this. Yeah macho image and this is really just a what a father or son mother kind of film son mother and of course they reunite with the dad and they all work together so it's basically look oh traditional family values on the way so um yeah so it's good producer colin there coughing mm-hmm. poor devil Oh. would you recommend seeing it you um, pretty, I would recommend it. it I give it 4 out of 5 like because that the as I say it's so well shot looks so good um, there's not a whole lot of depth to it but as an as a, like a family film I don't think there's anything better, you know, coming did out Did you this see year. it in 3D? Um, I did see it in 3D. So it's fun to fly around in 3D in the glasses. So I saw it with a bunch of kids as well um, at a, a morning. In a perfectly legal way. In a perfectly legal way. <laughs> I didn't just swoop them around, go to the primary school and say, who wants to come to the cinema with this guy with the beard and glasses? <laughs> um, so they were mad into it. And you, I think that's the, the proof is in the pudding there with when people, whether you hear kids, they're noisy or if they're falling asleep or complaining and that. Um, uh, I always think that's a bit of a genius move, getting... Uh, reviews kind of sometimes just like oh here's loads of kids because this is who it's intended for yeah they did that in the peter pan film adaptation where uh johnny depp oh, for yeah. the first night of peter pan got a load of seats and had kids sit in the audience because all the old folks were like oh the kids are digging this oh this is actually really good yeah yeah well it's what often happens that when reviewers go in and they're told to watch a horror film at like 10 in the morning on a tuesday and i always say this With like no that's audience. not how you that's not like horror is made to be enjoyed with an actual audience who want to be seeing the film not a cynical kind of 50 and 60 year old um dudes kind of there who are like oh i haven't had my coffee and same with kids films that like the thing is go and see it with people who it's meant to be seen with um the original one lost out on the oscar to toy story 3 back in 2011 but i'm pretty sure so far this would be a lock for the animated oscar i can't think of anything else that's yeah i can't out. remember if anything big is coming out so i don't think so. yeah so well worth seeing if that's what you're into or also holidays. it's the first week of primary school holidays yeah. so um it's a no-brainer so you're talking about kids films now we're going to talk about kids with cancer oh no uh this is the fault in our stars which is based on a book by john green and um it's an absolute tear fest i was saying in my review it seems to have been scientifically engineered to get every possible tear out of you and uh, we have a clip here and it's gonna be 
Hazel and Gus having a talk outside. What, do you think that that's cool or something? You just ruined this whole thing. The whole thing? Yes, this whole thing. Oh, man. Even though you had freaking cancer, you're willing to give money to a corporation for the chance to acquire even more cancer? Let me just tell you that not being able to breathe sucks. Hazel Grace, they don't actually hurt you unless you light them. Hmm? I never lit one. It's a metaphor, see? You put the thing that does the killing right between your teeth. But you never give it the power to kill you. A metaphor. So you're not a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old girl who would have read this book or anything, so... Sometimes I have the mentality of a 16-year-old girl, though. It's kind of... This film, yeah, I could tell people watching it had a very close association with it and they'd clearly read the book. Yeah. And when uh, Gus, who's played by Anson Elgort, appears for the first time... What sort of name is that, by the way? His parents are, like, German, Dutch or something origins. Okay. Uh, Nigel Wheatley. So it's not Ansel. The kind of swoon and everything when he came on for the first time, and when certain lines are being said, they're all like, "Oh, that's lovely." So that will sicken you as well, though. If you kind of this might be the kind of one. Like I, I didn't see it. Uh, I saw it on a morning, and there wasn't anything like that at the, the one that I saw. And um, I kind of liked it. I got swept up in the story a bit, and um, the way they carry out this thing of there being. You're, you know going into the film that like this isn't going to end well because Hazel Grace is so sick and you're like, they've hinted at all this that like this isn't going to end well and like it becomes quite, you're just waiting for that. And I mean, but, they're clever in the way they, they do that and they manipulate the emotions and, and everything. But I didn't um, like the way though, they never really seemed to get the heart of actual illness. It was all very bright and glossed over and yeah the trauma for for the uh, mum and dad we didn't really get much yeah and like when when hazel became sick at one point it just goes you just can see her getting distressed and it cuts to a voiceover with music because you you don't want to hear the cries or the actual real it yeah like there's no depth or see her vomiting on the thing Yeah. yeah it's like the total antithesis to um amor Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, this would, like Michael Haneke would have done a very different thing with the Fault in Our Stars, wouldn't he? Yeah, there's a brilliant cam, uh, cameo from William, William Defoe. Defoe, but can't really talk too much about that in case you haven't seen it because it spoils it. But I think he's great, and I was like, yeah, I want to see more from that guy. Yeah, it was actually very good. Um, they visit, they go on a trip to Amsterdam, and um, that got very weird there's that's a scene in the Anne Frank, Frank house yeah. where I was like I'm not sure I'm buying this where she can't get up the stairs yeah. why the hell can't he carry her tank thing? yeah she always lugs around this tank and he's such a prick that he won't ever let me help you but with I, that. I think it's a thing on he her though that she's like no I'm I, fine I can carry I this I bet tank. there's a thing in the book where they I thought about it after and I bet there's a thing in the book where they say um, she always has to carry it herself. You know, she's a really self-determined kind of woman. Because like, it's so weird that like he's so, such a gentleman in a lot of ways. And then she's looking around this oxygen tank to help her breathe. And she can't make it upstairs. Of course, he only has one leg as well. Because yeah. cancer got his leg. There's um, loads of small she stuff in it where like he's kind of like... He always refers to her full name. And that kind of grates after a while. Like it's... it's mm-hmm. I don't know. It was the first time I was watching a film, I think, where I was like... Oh, I'm too old for this. This actually is totally not intended for me. Yeah, and usually when I'm watching what I consider teen-appropriate films such as Hunger Games and Twilight and Divergent and things like, you kind of, you can get into you the You get mentality. on board with it and you're like, yeah, but this, but I was this, just yeah. like, no. Do you want some trivia? Of course you do. Uh, your man, Ansel, whatever, um, played Shailene Woodley's brother. 
in Divergent. Ah. They play brother and sister. Oh, so and now they're playing young lovers. Brilliant. Romeo and Juliet type things. So fun stuff. Um, I gave this a three and a half. And I think in my brain, where would you be with it? Uh, I think I gave it two and a half and said, if you like the book, stick, throw on another star. Yeah, or if you're even it. more cynical than you, give it one star, probably. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, next up is a film that uh, not a lot of people really talked about. A bit of a flop. Uh, Seth MacFarlane had a film, uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Well, I think you brought a clip in. We have a clip for this. Yeah, it kind of it. sets it up nicely. It's a good clip. We live in a terrible place in time. The American West is a disgusting, awful, dirty, dangerous place. Look around you. Everything out here that's not you wants to kill you. Outlaws, angry drunk people, scorned hookers, hungry animals, diseases, major and minor injuries, Indians, the weather. You, you can get killed just going to the bathroom. See those guys over there? The guys who work in the silver mines? See what they're eating? Ribs doused in hot sauce. They eat hot, spicy foods every meal of the day. You know why? Because their palates are so completely dulled from inhaling poison gas 12 hours a day down in the mines. That's all they can taste. You know what that kind of diet does to your guts? They literally die from their own farts. Yeah, so there we had Seth MacFarlane, the main creator behind Family Guy, American Dad, and what's the other one? The Cleveland Show. So he directed Ted a few years back. That was his first foray into directing. And now he's back with A Million Ways to Die in the West. The thing that is different here is that he's the main character in it and he can't carry film he doesn't have he's not ugly or anything but you just look at him the odd time you're like you have a bit of a weird face other than the oscars have we seen him on screen as an like as an actor much not really he might have had cameos and it's all voice work isn't it and it's weird because he has the voice of brian like so the whole time you're watching it's like oh there's brian um the film's okay i thought if you like westerns you'll dig it because it's kind of even with the start it's a real throwback to Blazing Saddles with the title and you can tell that is his he obviously grew up watching that religiously and it has all these characters but with Family Guy and all his American Dad stuff he has this real he maintains it's not a hatred but there's a real negative kind of depiction of women like there's a whole character there's um, Giovanni Rubisi and Sarah Silverman Sarah Silverman plays this prostitute and Giovanni Rubisi is kind of like her boyfriend they haven't slept together yet. She's a prostitute with all these. That whole scenario was really totally redundant. And it's just there to provide kind of really disgusting, gross out it's cheap gags. Glass, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to go upstairs and have anal sex with this uh, yeah. this horrible cowboy man. I hope he doesn't continue to rape me. Yeah. Oh, I'll come back down. and Oh, no, honey, I don't, I don't think yeah, we're ready Yeah, we hold hands. Like, th- yeah. that's all redundant. And there's kind of, you're just like, anytime there's jokes like that, you're just like, oh, come on, yeah. really? And yet there are some very funny little sequences in it. Like, he... He's one of these people almost in the Tarantino camp where you're like, I just wish there was a producer who would just know how to... It's too long. Like, it's 116 How minutes. to manage it. How much is it? 116 16. Minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, th- there's a genius bit where that whole gag with the photographs, where, yeah. like, there's a running joke about photographs, how nobody in the West ever smiled in a photograph. And if you smile, you're c- clearly crazy. <laughs> yeah. So there's loads of lovely <clears throat> gems like that in the film. And there's some great cameos as well yeah but you you realise then from you're like what's the best thing about Family Guy it's like oh the little throwbacks where you like the smash cuts to like oh remember like that time and yeah. where you, he can really write a 30 second or a one minute hilarious thing like that clip that we had um, yeah yeah. I think it was quite a cheap film to make I think it only I'd say a lot uh, of it was done on location or on a set or something yeah kind of. something like 40 million I think so I mean it'll make back its money and it's the kind of thing that will become a Netflix sensation because his name can kind of carry it but it it was a bit of a disappointment. Although yeah. I, I do like that it's 
somewhat of an original idea. Most of these, pretty much every blockbuster this summer is some form of a sequel, a rehash, continuation yeah. or anything. So as a big studio film to be a completely original idea, yeah. it's fun. Like, and it's, by it, all means, keep directing, but just kind of get back behind the camera. Yeah. Or have a small role or something, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. Do you remember Cowboys and Aliens from t- yeah, two years I ago? Yeah, I quite liked that. Okay, that was a film where you're like, this is funny because it's set in the West, in the Old West. and Yeah. It did also highlight just how, what a horrible, horrible, horrible time and place it would have been to have been living yeah because it is really especially in america it's totally romanticized and even in films you know but it was just like anytime anyone says oh would you like to have lived in a different area it was like no not until the creation of medicine because if you got a cold you would die yeah medicine and and smartphones yeah and isn't it great um we forgot one actually also out this weekend is another film which you haven't got to see yet you probably see it later uh jim mickles um pulpy kind of thriller cold in july so uh, based on a novel from uh 1980 can't remember who wrote it and uh it's a big kind of homage to john carpenter a lot of people pointed out i think i saw it on a review on the irish film site the movie waffler that the font used on the poster is albertus and um so it's really like what we saw on like halloween and escape from new york that sounds like stuff. an old black woman from down south yeah <laughs> so um it's a big tribute to that kind of era and that time like the synthy music is really like it's almost at times it jars with it because we've become used to seeing films like this like last year ain't them body saints and things like that this kind of sweaty texas stuff have been more like an epic thing but then you realize very quickly that it's just like a real pulpy novel you kind of alluded to it in your view, but you don't go into it, obviously, for spoilers. And someone else mentioned it, that there's a big twist in it at some point that doesn't really make sense. It it jumps midway through. Um, it goes, well, yeah, uh, let me see. So it's it's about Richard Dane. I have to be very careful because it's good. It's about Richard Dane. He's a picture framer, which I think is one of the coolest professions I've seen and, in, in our spool awards at the end of the year, it'll be like most normal Coolest job. Yeah. Yeah. Profession on screen picture framer. Uh, yeah. In a small town in East Texas. So I don't think the town is named. But anyway, one night hears a noise in his house, grabs his gun, really shaky. He's a really cautious kind of guy, grabs his gun from the shoebox on top of the wardrobe, goes and the the clock strikes kind of 12 and it makes him slip um, his finger and he shoots the guy dead. And so... um. And it's Texas and that kind of thing is fine but uh, some people think he's a hero some people are like oh okay better watch mm. him but anyway the um, the kid's dad comes after him and uh, played by Sam Shepard one of our favourites mm-hmm. and is he in uh, the film for more than five minutes he's in it he's a very very big part and so it's not and he then tries to exact some sort of revenge on on Dane and his family like like you know oh you kill my son I'll hurt your son and it's all a film about fathers and sons but then um, kind of it becomes quite obvious that things aren't exactly as it comes through and you know obviously there's uh-huh. more maybe this guy wasn't Sam Shepard's son maybe there's something here that we need to kind of we need to look into this was he and uh, like so it's all a bit iffy you'll either buy into that or you won't but um, a PI gets involved and looks into things and he's played by Don Johnson Nash that, Bridges yeah so he he is I thought he was brilliant but some people have said it's kind of like he's in a completely different film like he's really funny and he arrives like you know he's a this he's in a tarantino film like he arrives in a big red uh convertible and like he's he's brilliant but i don't know if he sits as well with the other two guys who took it very seriously um anyway worth seeing i think i gave it three and a half stars or something and 
Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what Jim Mickle continues to do because he did a film that you saw a couple of years ago, Stakeland. Stakeland, very good film, nice pulpy film as well too. Yeah, good so he's her. the kind of guy. Keep giving him money and see what he comes up with. Um, I have a link now to my movie moment of the month, if you'll allow me, if you'll indulge me for a sec. So, uh, Cold in July features Wyatt Russell, who's the son of Kurt Russell, who, um, Kurt Russell being a very John Carpenter kind of actor, but R- Wyatt Russell plays Zook in 22 Jump Street. And that is my movie moment of the month. You know Zook, the guy who yeah, was yeah. like Channing Tatum's best bud? Brilliant. And um, So my movie moment of the month is that drug trippy sequence in the middle of the film where it basically um, it was very carefree, very childish, and it was very obvious that the guys who did the Lego movie made the film because midway through, like 22 Jump Street is, is a very clever but also stupid film and that it's very, it knows it's a sequel and it pe- keeps poking fun at what sequels normally do. Mm. But um, yeah, just doing them by carrying them out. So you're kind of like, yeah. you're still doing all the things. Yeah, but like for for the 14 year old boys this month, they've had uh, 22 Jump Street and Mrs. Burns Boys and plenty to kind of keep them amused. But um, I still like 22 Jump Street. Anyway, but yeah, um, uh, my movie moment of the month comes from Cheap Thrills. It was directed by E.L. Katz. And, Jeep, uh, Jeep Thrills. Cheap. Sounds like a Sega Mega Drive game. Uh, cheap thrills yeah so two guys mate drinking in a bar old friends one of them has just got fired and the other he's kind of shady and is like a debt collector so also in the bar is um a couple played by ethan embry and sarah paxton and they are having this game whereby they'll bet money you know that kind of classic game hutch would you do what would you do this for money and everything so this kind of escalates yeah. and escalates. will you eat will you eat my poo for 100 euro type things that you might have in college yeah basically that's the whole premise of the film so they go back to the house and kind of one thing leads to another but the best scene is the very last scene of the film which i obviously can't say because it'll spoil it but you'll know it when you see it probably the best last scene i've seen in months it's very impressive the, the closing shot yeah even. oh yeah it's very it's fun yeah. yeah good movie poster I think yeah uh, tiny tiny link just before we wrap up June uh, There you have, you're right. That is the Saw Doctors. Uh, yeah. Producer Colin has this on a cassette tape, so we just fired it up uh, N17. The Galway Film Festival kicks off between July 8th and 13th and runs for those dates. And um, yeah, it looks like a decent enough program. Last year had a very good program, but that was the kind of quarter. quarter century thing. Um, this is their 26th annual festival, so uh, the film, the festival opens with a film that you've actually managed to see already. Yeah, begin again. Um, it's the new one from John Carney, who um, directed once from a couple of years ago, and uh, it's great. I really liked it. It stars Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is a big producer who's recently got fired because he's kind of done his luck. And Keira Knightley is just about to leave New York because she has just broken up from her boyfriend. What's her accent? English. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she's English. Uh, Adam Levine is her boyfriend from Marion 5. And uh, Actually, Adam Levine. Yeah, Can he act? Kind of. But it's hilarious because the whole thing is about getting back to the roots of music. So 
Mark Ruffalo hears Keira Knightley performing a song in a bar and there's this kind of cool thing where he hears it developing as a full song and he's pissed and he goes up and he's like I want to produce your album or your song she's like no go away so then the two of them form a bond and they go about producing this album and the way they do it is that it's all in and around New York with street sounds and everything like that so it's really cool and earthy and then you have her boyfriend Adam Levine who is the other root of super produced and soulless but they've basically gone to him and like anytime they play any of his songs they were like oh that sounds like a Maroon 5 song and they then proceed to say how awful and terrible it is so you're kind of like oh he's a bit of a good sport you know and they have a new album coming out this year I did some research and it's their fifth album and guess what they've called it five yeah <laughs> with the digit five no uh, no the no Roman numerals V right. once was made eight years ago yep if you want to feel very old uh, cool did you re- I think you've a clip for this yeah that's pretty funny so where are we going Mr. Aynar man we're going to my partner to play me music you got your demo no you don't have a demo no well do you have MySpace or Facebook or anything MySpace no I, no I don't I just I you know I told you I write songs from time to time what do you write them for what for? For my pleasure. For my cat. Oh, really? Does he like them? She, yes, she seems to. How do you know? Because she purrs. Maybe she's booing. No, she purrs at Leonard Cohen too, and she has very good taste. Maybe she's with you. Okay, can we stop talking about cats now? That's fun. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. I think people despise Keira Knightley. I have a lot of time for her. And if you're in a good mood, you'll love this film. But like, if you're in a bad, snarky mood, I'd say it'd make you want to throw up into your hat. And I'd be curious to see what music people think of it. Right. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to get Colin's feedback on it. Yeah, I see they're in a car, and it does call to mind that lovely scene in Once where they put the old song on the on the on the tape deck and have a drive. Yeah, the hills. Moz Def is uh, Mark Ruffalo's music partner as well, which is kind of cool. And CeeLo Green has a big part in it as well. Cool. It sounds like yeah. It sounds like this has gotten money from lots of places, and they have to. Oh, there is the thing as well. Kind of, it's kind of funny when you're watching it because the Keira Knightley, Adam Levine storyline, like John Carney did once, which starred Glenn Hansard and Mar- Margaret Anglova. Um, there's a bit of almost a feel of Damien Rice and Lisa Hannigan, off the Keira Knightley Adam Levine storyline, or also even like because Glenn Hansard has since broken up. And you're kind of like, oh, this is almost like an insight of what this is actually like because someone becomes much popular and then you kind of get that vibe yeah. when you're watching it. Cool. I look forward to that. So that kicks off. Is that the opening film at the festival? I think so. And it comes out nationwide on the 11th of July. On the 11th. Oh, right. So it probably, I think, yeah, um, it plays on the on the Wednesday, I think, and then comes out nationwide on the 11th. Great. Um, two or three other uh, big Irish films then that... The Galway Film Festival is always been probably the most well-known launch pad for lots of Irish films. If they if you get your film to Galway, then that gets you started. And then over the next six to nine months, <laughs> usually takes far too long for an Irish film to actually get out and we're sick of it. But um, the big one probably that has most people in the industry most excited is Glassland, which is the new film from Gerard Barrett, who directed Pilgrim Hill, which is a very small, low-budget film that came out last year, but did very well and really put him on the map. Um and uh, it's got quite a quite an impressive cast here. We've got Jack Rayner, who we know from uh, uh, what Richard did, and now Transformers. So he's a proper actor now. Michael Smiley, who we love, uh, has worked with Ben Wheatley on lots of things and all those things. Tony Collette, 
who you're like I don't know uh, what's Little Miss Sunshine that kind of thing you kind of um, Muriel's Wedding Muriel's Wedding The Way Way Back you know the quintessential kind of mother in a way like in these in recent yeah. years like she's become a really good so let's see what she does and, and Will Poulter then who was in Son of Rambo and We're the Millers a young actor from London so great um, cast it's a very strong cast how does a guy how does a guy like that get a cast like that you know um, anyway so the it's a pretty grim will I read the description for you this is pretty grim now make sure you're sitting down in a desperate bid to save his mother from a crippling alcohol addiction and reunite his broken family John, a young taxi driver on the fringes of the criminal underworld, is forced to take a job which will see him pushed further into Dublin's dark underbelly. But will he be prepared to act when the time comes, knowing that whatever he decides to do, his and his family's lives will be changed forever? Pretty heavy, right? Yeah, he should do trailer voiceovers. Yeah, what's that from last year? The In a World. In a World, isn't that brilliant? Anyway, um, that's playing on Friday the 11th of July, and I think... This is the one that everyone's expecting huge things from, um, you know, in terms of the Irish Film Board will have been behind this and they're really hoping it'll be a, a big breakout one for... And it's got the cast to hopefully do well in the UK and hopefully America as well. So playing Friday the 11th at 8 o'clock. Um, do you want to talk about Patrick's Day? Not really? Or will I... Inter- you can talk about that. Yeah, I have a clip for it, actually. Let's oh, watch brilliant. the clip together. Yeah. So this is Terry McMahon's follow-up to Charlie Casanova. Ladies and gentlemen, all that shit. What are you doing here on your birthday? Waiting. You got a name? Patrick. Thank Christ you weren't born on April Fool's Day. You don't understand. He has mental health issues. He's not able to look after himself. Patrick, tell me what you see. I'm no good. You need to know that. What are you smiling at? But I love her. Shit. The vomiting and the shaking are just the beginning. You wait for the hallucinations, the paranoia, the fear, the rage. The amazing thing that I've noticed, they seem to own patricksday.ie. How were they able to buy that? Of the government? <laughs> well, I'm like, that's... Like, this would... Sort of <laughs> Maybe the official one is saying Patrick's Day. Yeah, but it's pretty cool if they annoyed myself I didn't try and buy that a few years ago. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a new one from Terry McMahon who made Charlie Casanova a few years ago, which we didn't quite like. Well, I didn't quite like. Did you ever actually see it? No, just in bits. Um, so yeah, that looks pretty decent. Or, I don't know. Patrick said I really want... Like, that trailer is very... It looks like a really powerful, brilliant film, but you just have no idea how that's going to play across for That just means I've had, got a really good guy to do the trailer for them. Yeah, and Damien Dempsey is doing the music, which always works, so... Um, just told me during that that Damien Dempsey rescued some people from drowning. Seemingly, yeah. Apparently, he's a big swimmer on the front cover of one of the al- albums that has that he's just come out of the water or something. But apparently, goes swimming all the time, like in the sea. And cool. there's these two lads in difficulty, and he just went in and got them. But he's in a film called Between the Canals as well, isn't he? True. Brilliant. Speaking of canals, there's another film at the film festival called The Canal, which is going to be opening on the 12th of July. And it's like an Irish ghost story of sorts, directed by. Ivan Kavanagh and it's kind of like these people are living and then they realise that there was a murder committed back at the turn of the century and haunted house uh, but what kind of sparked my interest is that it stars um, Steve Orman who is in Sightseers he's the main male character yes. in Sightseers and it also stars Antonio Campbell Hughes who we're a big fan of uh, she was in uh, Kelly and Victor from last year she's a oh, Belfast born yeah. actress very good so that's out on the 12th of July 
or it's coming it's yes. playing the 12th, on the 12th and then uh, my last Irish pick is uh, Get Up and Go it's got Killian Scott and Peter Coonan both who are actors uh, from Love Hate and they're playing I don't know this is a weird one to try and get your head around they're playing Bohemian Scenesters yeah the Dublin. picture you should look at the picture for it uh, go on the website because um, they have the Peter Coonan scarf thing. yeah who plays Frano from Love Hate has got that classic life Afghan yeah uh, Ponce scarf that they all wear. Yeah, so late 20s, and they realize, you know, life catching up with them a little bit and things aren't going well. Someone getting pregnant, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's just like kind of people I know. And stuff like how. So I've really, this could go either way. This could be a real cringe worthy film, but um, we'll see how it does. Plays a Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, there's a big bucket load of international films playing um, and a few kind of fun things. Uh, any of the fun things? Uh, yeah, again, like when we went last year, there was a conversation with Circe Ronan, hosted by Arena Sean Rocks. Mm. So this time around, it's Brenda Fricker, which I think would be quite interesting because sometimes with like the Circe Ronan one was very good, um, but she's still quite young and has yeah. done a few films. But yeah, like, you're Brenda- like, well, yeah, she had she actually had a surprising amount to talk about, but yeah. you're still talking about kind of a six seven yeah. year period. Whereas Brenda Fricker has this massive ream of everything, and any time I've heard her talk, she sounds brilliant. So yeah, I think she, that'll definitely be worth checking mm, out. She lives near you, are you like? Yeah? Supposedly she lives around the corner somewhere. Yeah, mm, and she's always throwing the breadcrumbs at the pigeons and things. So yeah. like, will Home Alone? How long will they talk about Home Alone too? In that's what I'd be wondering. Two minutes, maybe. Yeah. Um, so that it, it that actually sounds great. Uh, that's on the Sunday at three p.m. I think according to this, uh, there's a tribute event of some sort for Brown Bag Films, who are a success story in the Irish filmmaking world. They're an animation company, and um, they're most well known still for being the people behind "Give Up Your Old Sins," a thing that has now become bit of a chore but at the time like that was very that's about 10 years or 11 years uh and doc mcstuffins they do peter rabbit and octonauts and all these really successful animation uh shows for like disney junior so like they're making raking in tons of money and they're doing very very well and they've won you know they've got oscar nominations they've won emmys annies annies are for animation awards oh brilliant that was quite clever um and then the last thing on the subject of animation, Frozen sing along on Sunday, the thirteenth in the IMC Cinema. Uh, yeah, I, I, that is what it sounds like, right? You'll just yeah, go that'd and, be good fun. Just go and sing, let it go with loads of people. Frozen is now the fifth biggest film in the world ever. That's a, a good bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, cool. So that's Galway. It's kicking off on the eighth of July. It runs until the thirteenth. Perfect time to go to a great town in Ireland. A few beers. Hey, mister. Yeah? I got a question for you. You see, me and my daddy just got into town. I was wondering if you'd give us a job. We're looking for work. (coughs) How old are you? Fifteen. Well, you got 45 seconds to tell me why I should hire you. I built hay before I worked on a truck. I I picked tomatoes, uh, uh, zucchini, cucumbers, uh, okra. Squash. All right, that's that. You're not afraid of work. Good. What's your name? Gary Jones. I'm Joe. I pay a day's pay for a day's work. I pay on Fridays, so you get a little something today. Okay. But your first real payday is next Friday. We start at about six in the morning. Quit at one or two. And if we work till dinner and get rain out, I pay for the whole day. Does that sound fair enough? Yes, sir. All right. Follow this line of trees. Yes, sir. Close to a half mile back to my truck. Juice hatchets are in the back. Yes, you get yourself one, 
Filled up with poison. Yes, Come on back, same way you went out. Yes, sir. And don't get lost. I won't. Hey! <clears throat> you want to know how much you're getting paid? Uh, so, yeah, that's from Joe. That's one of our picks for uh, July. Nicholas Cage is in there as Joe. <laughs> I'm Joe. And uh, the young voice that you heard was Ty Sheridan, who uh, was in The Tree of Life and Mud and does that kind of southern chap very well. Uh, Joe is um, he's an ex-con and of some sort. I've deliberately, I haven't really read too much about this. This film's been kind of floating around. It played Sundance and I'm kind of curious to see how it all turns out. Um, I think it looks great. It's out July 25th and plays the Galway Film Festival before that. And yeah, because it's good. As you said, you're like, oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, brilliant. Always a big fan of Nicolas Cage. And yeah. especially when he does serious ones. An, an actual film. Yeah, not one where he's trying to, to save the act. world. You know, I have the plans. Or is a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then that's like a serious good recommendation. And well, this could be good too. Well, it looks good from the trailer. Dawn of the Planet of the Ips. It opens on the 17th of July. So we had um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes came three years ago, uh, the reboot most recently, and now we have the follow-up. So it stars Andy Serkis again as Caesar, Jason Clarke, who was in Zero Dark Thirty, and we have Gary Oldman and Carrie Russell. So it's kind of set ten, ten years after Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where the virus that made its head known or became aware uh, has killed this is coming from a science professional by the way so you yeah you're good to li- listen. i love that bit in the trailer it was just like it was made by scientists in a lab you're like those bastards yeah uh so it's wiped out most of the human population and you have a small band left who were able to survive it and then you have all the apes who were able to survive it so the premise is the film is that are the two of them able to live side by side or it looks quite imminent that it's going to be war so we have a small clip the scary thing about them, they don't need power. Lights, heat, nothing. That's the advantage. That's what makes them stronger. If you threaten his family, he will retaliate. We're gonna kill every last one of them. Don't shoot! War has begun. Caesar! Yeah, so that's out 17th of July. Looks pretty good. Yeah, very excited. Um, So I'm actually really... It's been really difficult for me to sit down and pretend that the World Cup isn't actually happening. Um, So I think we'll have to wrap it up uh, with our Seen It, um, which... um, Yeah, it's been really good that Ireland aren't in this World Cup, to be fair. We've actually been able to just be nice neutrals and enjoy the brilliance of the South American and Latin American teams who are saying, screw you, Europe, go home, Italy. There was a funny thing on BBC the other day they were talking about, because Uruguay played uh, yesterday, and they were talking about the Luis Suarez incident, and Martin O'Neill was on the panel. So some of the panelists were saying we need to stop talking about Luis Suarez and just talk about the team. Correct. And then Gary Lineker said, oh, we let Martin O'Neill have the last word. And he was like, oh, all I want to know is has got Suarez got an Irish granny. <laughs> You're like, brilliant. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll take a clip from uh, 1996 The Van, which was uh, part of Roddy Doyle's Barrystown Trilogy. Trilogy. That was it, which also had the commitments and the snapper. Which, when you think about it, when you now, we're coming up to 20 years since those three films have all been out. Like, there's a big legacy there. Fair play to all involved. So, The Van was directed by Stephen Frears, I think. And um, 
this clip, and it was about the Italian 90, Ireland's exploits in their first ever World Cup in 1990, which, do you have a memory of Italian 90, kind of? No, not really. Yeah, mainly, I remember it being on, Yeah. Um, but USA 94 was really the first one where you got sucked mm-hmm. in. Um, but anyway, this clip, but it's stuff like this that has made it feel like this myth- mythological kind of special time, you know? And you will hear Brendan O'Carroll in this clip. Yeah, which is very topical, which is how we kicked off the podcast, Mrs. Brent's It's all voice. connected. Comic genius Brendan O'Carroll. You think we just sit here and shite on for 40 minutes, but you know. No. Anyway, enjoy the van and we'll see you next month in Bye-bye. the summer holidays. Dynamo Bucharest, midfield player, to step forward. The sequence now is that if he should miss this, and Ireland's last penalty taker should score, then the match of the progress are Ireland's. Timote against Bonner. Responsibility of taking the penalty that could send Ireland into the quarterfinals of the World Cup. This kick can decide it all. The nation holds its breath.